And we're back for another episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner and here with y'all as always. And it's Sunday, which means it's mailbag time. Again, you can send your questions in to the mailbag via email at lacrossebucket at gmail.com, as well as via Twitter and Instagram DM at lacrossebucket. I believe is both of those. Um, my personal Twitter at Tanner underscore Dimling. Get a couple in there every week or so. Again, thank y'all, all y'all who sent in the questions this week. Um, quite a bit, and obviously won't get to all of them today, but we do have a full list for <laughs> at least the next two, three weeks that I will get to. Um, no, I wanted to start with this. And I've gotten a lot of questions about this, and this is what most of the questions this week were about, is this new recruiting dead period. So the NCAA, if, if y'all have not seen this, put in a dead period, obviously, back in March when the coronavirus first hit, and they've been extending this thing just continuously. They've extended it again. It was extended until January 1st, I believe, or December 30th or 31st. So it was going to be over like on New Year's Eve. New Year's Day would have ended the dead period. Um, and I don't even know what they would have done with kind of the rest of the recruiting calendar, which because you have like multiple dead periods already plugged in there. I don't know what they would have done. Um, with that, if they would have changed those rules or what, but they've pushed the dead period back until April 15th. Mind you, they did this in November. November. And, you know, so so what this means is that pretty much half of the 2021 and, and half the 2022 cycle will be conducted in a dead period. Um, I do believe this will probably be the last dead period, extended dead period, because of COVID that we see. But still, the dead period's pushed back again. And if you haven't been following recruiting, and by the way, we've got another recruiting topic we'll talk about here at the end of the show. But if you haven't been following recruiting this cycle, this 2022 cycle, there have been a record number of commitments already. I believe, like, I think Inside Lacrosse put it out, and it was like 85% of the, of the class, in terms of, um, I, I guess, who's in their database or whatever, um, has committed already in the 2022 class. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you have record numbers of kids committing, mostly without seeing campuses. Um, and yeah, there are some kids that have gone out on their own and done visits. Um, I know in college football, you've had some, you've had some, um, some classes where, and some schools where uh, a bunch of commits have gotten together and basically hosted their own like unofficial recruiting weekend. 
and they've they've went to the game and and, and all of that stuff. And obviously, you can't talk to the coaches or whatever. Um, you know, we might see that healing lacrosse. I I wouldn't be shocked if we do. Um, especially in lacrosse when you have most of you recruiting base on the East Coast near the schools, it's a bit easier. Um, I know down here in the South, we've had some kids go to places like um, Vermont and Denver, fly out there for for visits on their own. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that holds in terms of visits in the spring. Um, I think we could, you know, probably most certainly will see some kind of unofficial visit weekends that uh, certain recruits put on. Now, you know, that depends on what um, the schedules look like high school-wise, but certainly something we could see. Um, and again, I mentioned 2021s. This doesn't really have that much of an impact on them. There's still some uncommitted 2021s out there. Um, and it's still in the signing period right now. So there's still some 2021s out there. Um, so, you know, it impacts them a bit, but doesn't impact the 2021 class quite like it does the 2022 class. I mean, they haven't, they have not been able to meet any of these coaches in person. Coaches are basically going off film from if they got a high school season in, you know, maybe they're going off film from their uh, freshman season and then the sophomore summer, uh, which would have been this past summer leading into their junior year. And then if they have any film of this fall. So, a little difficult, a uh, little different situations going on in the recruiting world right now. And I'll talk about one trend specifically that we could see. And this is something I've been asked about. And, you know, at first, I wasn't sure if I agreed with this, but I, I probably do now after this dead period has been extended more, um, I mentioned we've had a record number of commitments. That could mean next fall or next summer, like this coming summer and fall of 2021, heck, maybe even spring, um, we see a record number of decommitments and flips in the 2022 class. Because when you think about it, and this is something that in football, the 2021 cycle, a lot of people thought was going to happen because you had all these kids committing in the spring and summer without seeing campuses. And the assumption was that the dead period, things were going to open up in the fall and kids could take vi- official visits and meet with coaches and stuff. And once they did that, they would, they would flip and realize, you know, don't want to go here, want to go here. Not so much the case because of the dead period being extended and that impact uh, of football in the fall. But as far as lacrosse, I said this, I'm going to say this again. I think this April 15th, I think this is going to be the last date, the last pushback of the dead period that we see from the NCAA. If they do it again, if they do it again, there's already been a lot of fuss about this. A lot of fuss about this. If they do it again, they're going to get even more pushback. I don't think they'll do it again. No, they could. They do whatever the heck they want anyway. They could, but I can't see them doing it again. 
So things open up. You're going to see more 2022s in the fall, next fall, taking visits. And we might see more flips than we usually would. Flips, decommitments, certainly are a possibility. Um, they happen every cycle. I think this 2022 cycle, because of how many commitments we've seen so far, we could see you know, not as many, but almost as many flips or decommitments next fall in this class because uh, you know a lot of guys get that get that big offer you want to you want to commit to steal your spot and a lot of play a lot of guys are doing that without even seeing the campus meeting uh, all of them are doing it without seeing the campus um, on an official visit, like with the coaches, not meeting with the staff in person. That is a recipe for flips in the fall. That's also a recipe for if kids stick with this commitment, stick with their commitments. I think the transfer portal, which would be what, 20, the transfer portal. In the winter of the 2022, so in the winter going into the 2023 season, and the summer following the 2023 season, could be pretty heavy. We could see a lot of transfers in there as well. Now, I've also had some people reach out to me and ask, what does this mean for the 2023 class, this dead period being extended? Look, I don't think it has that much of an impact on the 2023s. Um, obviously, you would like, you know, coaches would like to be able to see some of these guys, uh, you know, some kids to play up, whatever. They'd be able to see them in person um, and, and kind of evaluate them and be like, okay, I got to watch that kid for the next cycle um, rather than, rather than you know, seeing on film. But I, I, I really don't think it's going to impact them that much. Um, cause like I said, I think this dead period thing, I think next cycle is going to be pretty normal. Um, now I will say the, 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 the one area, and I think there was an article U.S. lacrosse had on it and Bill Tooney was quoted in it saying that they're taking a smaller class in 2022 because of the NCAA giving that extra year of eligibility. Um, I don't think that we'll see as many guys this season and the 2022 season stay for an extra year like we did following the shortened 2020, 2020 season. But there is a possibility of that. And then when you also look at some of these athletic department losses in terms of financially, some schools might not have the money to fully fund lacrosse scholarships. I think was it 12.6, something like that. Not every school has those full 12.6. Um, I know, you know Villanova is probably the biggest name program that uh, it's pretty widely known that they don't have that 12.6. Um, I think they might have the lowest number of what you would consider like a, a name program. 
in, in terms of scholarship numbers. So um, I do think the these next 2022 class hurts in the fact of they aren't going to take as many kids, and that will also impact the 2023 class, not to the same extent, though. So as far as the 2023s are concerned, I don't think there's going to be that much of an impact besides, you know, overall, besides the numbers game, which we'll see how things play out, but the numbers game could be, uh, certainly you'll see smaller classes, I think, again, uh, due to some of these athletic department losses financially. All right, now this next question I actually got, and I had to laugh when I got this one early in the week. Um, they asked what I think the next move for Dave Petromala will be. And I want to preface this by saying this. I don't know Dave Petromala. I've never met Dave Petromala. I know people and have talked to people who know him. And I've heard nothing but great things about him. And I've always admired him as a coach and as a legend in the game of lacrosse, as we all should. Um, I think you could certainly argue that he should have been retained at Hopkins. I certainly think you have an argument to make that maybe his time was up. It was time for change. Um, I've heard all of the things about it was the administration, not him, blah, 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 blah. I'm not here to talk about that, and I'm not going to get into that. But I will tell you, Dave Fetchamala, I believe, will be coaching again. I think he might take a few years off, enjoy his son's last um, what would it be, two years of high school lacrosse. Obviously, the Twins are committed to play at North Carolina. Don't even ask me if he will be the D.C. at Carolina or if he will replace Joe Bresci. That's not even, don't, that's, that is just out of the box on, I don't even know what kind of thinking that is. So people who message me that, like, weekly, no, that's that's not going to be the case. Dave Petramala coaching next. I could see him in the PLL. He has a great relationship with Paul Label as well as Kyle Harrison. Both of them played for him at Hopkins. I certainly think the PLL. If, if he were to coach again as a head coach, I think the PLL would certainly be the best route for him. So next time there's a coaching opening or a new club coming in, Dave Petramala will be the first name that you hear pop up in that coaching search. Now, I mentioned I think he'll kind of take some time off. You know, he's doing some coaching um, at some showcase events and things like that. I think that's what he'll be doing for the next, for the foreseeable future. Um, and as I mentioned, if he does get back into head coaching, I think it will be at the, at the pro level with the PLL. What I would love to see Dave Petramala do is be on TV. 
think about it. When, you know, Don Zimmerman is on TV, legendary head coach at Hopkins and UMBC. Dave Cottle does some games for Loyola um, on, was it, on Stadium. Perhaps Dave Petramala is the next coach to step into the booth and join that, what you call it, a fraternity or a club of legendary head coaches who have put down their whistle, put down the clipboard, and put on the headset. And when you think about it, and you see this, people mention this in college football as well, when a guy like Mac Brown was on there, when a guy like Owen Meyer is on TV right now, I think he does a great job. And you're a coach. You've been there. You've done that. You've been in those situations in game. You've prepared for games during the week. You've been in those meeting rooms. You've been in those tough practices. As a coach, you've managed a program. You, in, in some cases, have built a program or have rebuilt a program. That is something that, and you know, no offense to these guys, but that is something that a coach can relay to an audience much better than Paul Calcutta could or Quint Kessnick could. Obviously, those guys are great at what they do on TV, and they've been players, but they haven't been coaches. They can't relay that kind of same message. They don't have that same experience of being in the trenches, you know, learning the ropes as a head coach, going through those hardships, going through that experience of, like I said, managing a program, preparing for a week's game, being in those decisions during a game, making those tough decisions, late games decisions. If if you've been a head coach, you've been there, you've done that. When you're on TV, you can better relay to the audience that is watching, who many of whom have not been through that, you can relay a certain message um, through your experiences to the audience that other broadcasters who have not been head coaches can. That's an element that Dave Petramala could bring to ESPN, the Big Ten Network, or ACC Network, which is technically part of ESPN. I don't know if he would want to do that. But I would certainly like to see him at least give it a try. And I think he would do a fantastic job on TV calling college lacrosse games. I would love to see it. Get Ryan Boyle and Dave Petramala in the booth. Let's go. Moving on to this last question here. You know, um, this question, it asks about Rutgers and their recruiting, specifically in the D.C. area. 
in some of the the inloads that they've made there. And uh, certainly in the 2022 class specifically, they've gotten some good kids there uh, from that D.C. kind of private school sector. Uh, They've got a kid on the defensive end, Ben uh, McKelvey. I don't know if he signed not or yet, or if he signed yet or not, uh, um, or what his kind of situation is in the 2021 class. Uh, I believe I did see most of Rutgers guys have signed. Um, But specifically in the 2022 class, they've got two guys on the defensive end from that uh, D.C. private school sector. I believe it's the the, uh, WAC, uh, WCAC, whatever you want to pronounce it as. Um, And those two commitments, uh, Riley uh, Figurius, and Ryan uh, Spillane. Uh, I hope I pronounced those names right. I probably butchered them. Uh, Figurius is a defenseman, and Spillane is an LSM. Uh, both are four-star guys. Uh, Figurius out of St. John's College High School, and then Spillane out of Gonzaga. Two really good programs. I believe they, uh, St. John's and Gonzaga, were against each other in the title game. What would that have been? 2019, because obviously we had no uh, season. Well, a very short high school season, especially in that part of the country uh, this uh, past spring. And the, the question was posed to me and said, you know, Rutgers, you know, there's some good talent there. Rutgers getting these guys in this class specifically, and then some of the D.C. area guys they've gotten out of the 21 class. Is that a trend that we'll start to see? And, you know, Rutgers, they've done a good job since Brecht has been there in getting some good New Jersey guys, obviously Jules Hindenburg being um, the top of the charts there. They've been able to keep some of these guys home, uh, which has been a good, uh, it, it, it's been good for their program. It's helped increase uh, the notoriety of the Rutgers lacrosse program in the state. Um, certainly Princeton is the most predominant, historically speaking, in New Jersey. Rutgers has had some success. They haven't made the NCAA tournament in 15 uh, tournaments uh, 16 years, didn't have one last year, so 15 tournaments. I believe it was like 2005, 2003, somewhere in there, the last time they made the NCAA tournament. So I, I would argue, yes, getting these guys in D.C., getting some of the – and look, those two guys they got in the 2022 class are studs, really, really good pickups on the defensive end. Um, I haven't studied Rutgers' 21 class to see if – I think they have one or two DC. I know I said one. I think they might have two in that class from the D.C. area. Um, but, look, getting these inroads here in D.C., I think that can certainly help Rutgers. And I think when you're seeing some of these kids commit, we'll see what happens in the 2023, uh, the rest of this 2022 class, if they get any more commits from that area. Uh, if they flip anybody from that area, 
in the 24 class, uh, excuse me, 23 and 24 classes, how that progresses. But, and I think they have a couple of DC area guys on the roster right now, if I'm not mistaken. Most teams usually do. Uh, pretty big hotbed there, uh, the DMV area. So, yeah, I, I think that's really good that Rutgers is making those inroads with some of those private D.C. area high schools. Um, is it a trend we're going to see following in years to come? I, I, I don't know. But certainly getting two in this 2022 class is a good sign. And two really good ones at that in an area where, or I should say, on an end of the field where your team specifically has struggled in recent years. I think both guys project to be pretty good defensemen at the college level. So we'll see how that shakes out, and we'll see how this Rutgers DC private DC area school connection continues. If it continues and they have success with it, um, yeah, I could certainly... You know, if they develop these kids if that they're getting, they continue to get kids from that area and develop them into All-American caliber players and whatnot. I think you could definitely see Rutgers getting more kids out of uh, the WAC, kind of uh, the WC, whatever, the, the private school league in that D.C. area. You could certainly see more kids coming out of that going to a school like Rutgers. And look, they got this new facility coming in. I think it's will be in in the fall of 22, I believe, uh, or fall of 21. I might be mistaken on that. Um, but they got a new facility coming in. It should be great. And I think overall, Rutgers recruiting with some of these facility upgrades should see an uptick, and that will include in that D.C. area. And I, like I mentioned, if they develop these kids from the D.C. area um, that they have on the roster, that they have in these recruiting classes, we could see some more guys from those schools go to Rutgers. Obviously, some studs in that area and could certainly help uh, bolster Rutgers across even more than it's been bolstered, I would say, um, in the Brecht era. Obviously, still got to get that NCAA tournament bid, get that off your back. But, yeah, certainly could be uh, a good sign for Rutgers on the recruiting trail in the D.C. area. That is it for today's episode. Uh, A bit of a shorter one than usual, uh, but Thanksgiving week coming up here. We'll not have a podcast on Thursday. We'll have one on Tuesday, not on Thursday. That is Thanksgiving. Um, So if you don't listen between now and next Sunday, um, we will have a mailbag next Sunday. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you all are able to uh, get with your families. I know a lot of people aren't because of the virus. Uh, Stay safe. We'll talk to you all soon. As always, You can go to lacrossebucket.com for all of your lacrosse, college lacrosse information at lacrossebucket on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. My personal 
at Tanner underscore Demling. Have a great week.